You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Hi, my name is Foster, and I have the honor of reading the scriptures, so please remain standing. We will be reading Psalm 90. From everlasting to everlasting, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger? and your wrath according to the fear of you. So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have, been afflicted, as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to all your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You may be seated. Thank you, Foster. Let's pause a moment in prayer. God, we ask that you would speak to us. And we pray that you would um, transform us and cause us to see that today the gift of life um, is an opportunity to live for you, to seize the moment, to bring you glory in all that we do. We ask that by your spirit you would make us to be hopeful people that look to you, our eternal God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, some of you may remember um, that uh, is actually over 30 years ago, there was a famous movie uh, Robin Williams starred in called The Dead Poets Society, where he played this unorthodox English teacher at an elite boarding school for boys. Now this this um, teacher, he encourages his students to make their lives extraordinary. 
uh, a sentiment he summarizes with the Latin phrase carpe diem, which means seize the day. He encourages these impressionable teenage, teenage boys to express their individualism in pursuing a, a life on their own terms rather than being boxed in. Many of these boys go after the desire of their heart to seize the day. One boy pursues a girl that he likes who is dating some other guy, but somehow musters up the courage to express his feelings toward her. Another boy uh, pursues acting, and he lands a role in a play, even against the wishes of his strict father, who has sacrificed everything for him to attend this boarding school as a pathway for him to get to an Ivy League school. Now, I won't give away the ending of the movie, um, but this movie, it dramatically and powerfully demonstrates the, the lengths to which these teenage boys would go to make each day count and live to make the most of their lives. Now, the idea of carpe diem urges us to, to seize the opportunities in front of us, to enjoy one's life today because life is fleeting and temporary. This life philosophy, if you will, can motivate us to pursue worthwhile endeavors in life, but if, not, if we're not careful, it can also lead to unrestrained pursuit of pleasures and a hedonistic life. Now, I think the majority of us would, would agree that we have, we have one life to live, so we need to make it count. We don't want to waste it. We don't want to watch our life pass us by. But how can we make it count? What is your approach to life? And what does God's word have to say about how we should live this short life that we've been given? Now, this morning, we come to a sobering and somber psalm in Psalm 90, which is a prayer attributed to Moses, who is the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. Basically, this psalm is reminding us that God is eternal, but our lives are brief. God has no beginning. He has no end. But we have a start and end date in this life. Now, this truth should come as no surprise to any of us as we celebrate new life and babies being born, and then we, we mourn when we lose a family member or friend. We all have a date of birth, but the date listed on our death certificate, only God knows. Now, attending a funeral service is always sobering, isn't it? Because the reality sets in that, that one day you will be in that casket and buried six feet under, or if you choose, get incinerated into ashes. Death for each of us is, is eminent, or at least inevitable, and just a matter of time. Depressing, isn't it? Have I ruined your July 4th weekend yet? <laughs> Welcome to Trinity, by the way. Now, I promise that the message will not remain depressing as we work through the passage and we pray and we pray that through this message, we will gain a true hope and encouragement through this psalm so that we learn to number our days and we get a heart of wisdom from the Lord so that we can truly seize our days and make our days count. 
This is good news, actually, because only by God's work of salvation in our lives can we redeem our brief life to build a life of significance and real value. As we dive into Psalm 90, I want us to see the eternal God who is our only refuge. Secondly, we'll see that life is short. We'll also see the judgment of sin. And lastly, life under God's grace. Looking at verses 1 and 2, we see that in order for our brief and short lives to have significance and meaning, we have to start with something greater than us. We have to start with God who eternally existed and created all things, including you and me. Before God created the mountains and formed the earth and all that is in it, God existed from everlasting to everlasting, as it says in verse 2. And this is a beautiful thing. It is, it is humbling when we are reminded that we are not the center of the world, but God is. The world and all that is in it does not exist to serve us but was created by God to reflect who God is in all of His glory and His splendor. Everything in creation was created by a self-sufficient God to serve God's purposes. And we are not the center of the world. God is. And this is actually a liberating thing. We do not have to bear the burden of maximizing our pleasure and and making our accomplishments the barometer of our success in life. We will get crushed under such a burden because we long for something larger than life and we could never be. Life is not about us, but about God who is everlasting and eternal and worthy of our worship. All of, our life, all of our lived experiences tell us that there is nothing that lasts forever. In fact, everything is in flux and changing. That is why we need to anchor our lives on the permanence and unchanging nature of God. God's eternal nature is the answer to our transient and brief life we live on this earth. Moses declares... In verse 1, that the Lord is their dwelling place in all generations. And the meaning of dwelling place that Moses is talking about is, is a place of rootedness, a refuge, and a shelter. We know that Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, and they wandered in the desert for 40 years as nomads living in tents before they got to the promised land one generation later. While Moses never entered and rested in the promised land, we know that the promised land was ultimately pointing to God, who is our ultimate dwelling place, our refuge and shelter. You may have experienced the unsettling instability of not having a permanent home if you've moved often from place to place. I have a tiny bit of experience in moving multiple times, I never thought in a million years that I would move from Los Angeles to West Seattle. I didn't know that there was a West Seattle. It has almost been a decade uh, since moving here. But the first several years, we moved every year going from house to house a total of four times in four years. 
In fact, we kept our moving boxes until we settled into the house that we are living in right now. Now, there's a sense of relief and peace and settledness when you make a place your home for the foreseeable future. And living in a home where you put down roots is just a small glimpse into what Moses was declaring when he said, our eternal God has been our dwelling place in all generations. See, because God is our forever dwelling place, the one we truly long for, only the eternal God can provide to us the foundation and permanence on which we build our lives and find refuge in for always. In the book of Hebrews on the chapter on faith in chapter 11, it articulates this sentiment when it says, we look forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. God is our forever home. Our eternal God provides the lasting and permanent refuge we all long for because we know that our earthly home is not forever and life is short, which takes us to our Second point. See, no human being can escape death. We were made from dust, and to dust we shall return. And we experience how frail and short our life is on this side of eternity, and we realize that this is the result of the fall when sin brought death into creation. We were not meant to die and live such short lives. Death is wrong. No, no matter how we die, it is painful and it is just so wrong. For, for those who die a quick, sudden, painless death, it may be great for the person, but horrific for family members who never got to say goodbye. For those who get sick and suffer for months, the suffering and death are both horrific, yet they have time to say goodbye to family members but even this time is never enough. Death is wrong and was not God's intention for us. And yet, as a result of sin, death is a reality for us. But the good news, even in this, is that God redeems even death so that through it we can escape the presence of sin and dwell with God forever in our redeemed bodies, in the new heavens and the new earth, with no, no disease, no sin, no death, in the way that we were meant to live. And it's very interesting because all of us, we know how fast kids grow up, so we need to enjoy every moment of their development. But when kids begin to see their older siblings or adults have more privileges, they want to fast-track their growth. I have a five-year-old daughter who tells me that she wants to be 13 years old right now. Why? Because she wants to have her, an iPhone, just like her brothers did when they were 13 years old. So we tell her, please don't grow up too fast. And as we get older, it seems time passes by much faster. Moses writes in verse 4, For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. Even if we could live to be a thousand years old, it would only be a day passing by for God or like a watch in the night. I'm relatively young, I think. I'm 47. And I often wonder, how did I get here? 
How, how am I 47? I feel like I'm 27. But the reality is, I've lived for 47 years. And my physical body reminds me of that. My receding hairline reminds me of that. I've never known anyone who told me that it took way too long to get to 70 or 75 or even 85 years old. Everyone I've met who are in their golden years, without exception, they've told me that the years have gone by too quickly, almost accelerating with each passing decade of life. Such is life. And that reality is captured poignantly and poetically in this prayer. Our lives are so short that they are forgotten like a dream. It it withers away quickly like grass which grows in the morning but dries out when the scorching sun comes up. Why is our life so short and brief? See, we have this gut feeling whenever we face death or, or witness death that it is not how life is supposed to be. Our life is short. It comes to an end in death because of sin and God's wrath. This is our third point. As painful as death and mourning can be, the greatest problem of humanity is not that we are finite and limited or that our lives are too short, but that we are flawed deeply at the very core of our nature by sin and therefore deserve God's wrath and judgment. Sin is our greatest problem. We want to live in the moment, enjoy life, be a good person, and do the best that we can. But we don't deal with, and when we don't deal with our sin, we will face not only physical death, but spiritual death as well. When we don't deal with our sin, we can suffer greatly, even while we are physically alive, because sin wreaks havoc in in our lives. It can destroy our health and most definitely our relationships. Sin, unchecked, brings death and the end of life with God. Sin cuts off the life-giving resources we need from God. And ultimately, sin brings judgment and wrath from a holy God. Sin truly is our greatest problem in life. Sin is not something that is outside of of us, but it is part of our nature since the fall, and this is true of all of us. Our eternal and holy God sees the thoughts and intentions of our heart, and our iniquities are laid bare before Him, as Moses writes in verse 8. Even our secret sins, the sins that no one knows about, God sees and knows in the light of His presence. When sin remains unresolved, we we come under God's wrath and and we come to the end of our life with a sigh, the psalmist writes. Even if our lives were extended to reach 70 or even 80 years old, it would be full of toil and trouble and then life would end, as we see in verse 10. We need God to intervene in our short and brief lives and to save us from sin. We need Jesus to first restore our relationship to God and also to, re- to restore our relationships with one another and then also to, re- to restore our relationship with all of the good gifts that he has given to us. 
so that we may steward them well instead of idolizing them. Isn't it amazing how miserable we can be even while living a blessed life? That may be because we idolize the good gifts that God has given to us, our marriage, our children, our friendships, our health, our our wealth, our abilities, and our careers, all good gifts that we should be stewarding and using to bless God and bless others. But instead, we try to use them to satisfy ourselves until each gift is found lacking and wanting. They are just not enough. Jesus wants to be our all in all so that our sin of idolatry cannot destroy our ability to enjoy the good gifts that he has lavished to us in our lives. We need a different outlook at life, a whole new perspective so that the limited years of life that we have are not wasted but redeemed under a gracious God who not only saves us but works through us to build a God-honoring life. This takes us to our last point, life under God's grace. Now, it is hard to argue with this psalm if if we're honest with ourselves. Life is too short, and too often our time, talent, and treasure are not used to honor God and, and to serve people. So how should we live if life is short and fleeting as a result of sin? We need to come before our eternal God who existed from everlasting to everlasting and plead for mercy and His grace so that we don't live under God's wrath but live a life of impact and leave a legacy of faithfulness. Moses ends this sobering psalm with three requests before God which we are invited to pray with Him. In verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This is a prayer for divine discernment to order our priorities and responsibilities rightly each day. Ask God to give you his heart of wisdom to navigate your days and weeks and months thoughtfully and wisely. Usually, when there's a big event coming, there's a, there's a countdown clock, right? 11 days, 13 hours, 42 minutes, and 3 seconds left before the greatest show ever to be performed. But whether we like it or not, there is a countdown to the end of our life here on earth before we meet our maker. But we don't know when that clock runs out. Only God does. That is why we pray and ask God to teach us to number our days so that we may live wisely, love deeply, and generously share what we have to live to make each day count, not knowing when the clock will run out. Bring your calendars before God in prayer and offer what you do with your time to God. This means that If you have wisely prioritized your life to include, for example, deepening your relationship with God, growing in your friendships, improving your health, then your calendar should reflect your priorities in healthy rhythms. We need to learn to number our days and make each day count. We don't know when our last day on earth will be, so we should not waste our efforts 
and time on what won't matter on that last day. Ephesians chapter 5 expresses the sentiment. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So pray and ask God, teach me to number my days so that I may get, I may get a heart of wisdom. The second prayer request is found in verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. The first question in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, if you're a Presbyterian, asks, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Are you enjoying God and delighting in His presence? There is no one and nothing that can truly satisfy our heart's desire. The allure of fulfillment and satisfaction offered by shiny objects repeatedly entrap us and and fail us, but we keep going back. The only way to break the spell which keeps us from enjoying God and receiving His steadfast love is the power of God to set us free by giving us a new heart, with new desires. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul's hunger and thirst. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. When we experience the satisfaction God's steadfast love offers We will rejoice and be glad, not just one day, but all the days of our lives. St. Augustine, he prayed very similarly when he wrote this. You made us for yourself, and our hearts find no peace until they find rest in you. Only Jesus can satisfy what daily rhythms do you have in place which allow you to, deep drink, to, to drink deeply from the fountain of life, which is Christ? Are you starved for joy, satisfaction, and peace that only Christ can supply? Are you searching in all the wrong places to find your contentment? Then pray with the psalmist in asking God to satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Lastly, we pray in verse 17, establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And we have seen already that God, who has eternally existed, does not need us to do anything for him because God needs nothing. But God created us in his image to fulfill his purpose in reflecting God's glory in our lives so that what we do matters to God. God put us here. He gave us life, abilities, talents, and Opportunities, And he wants us to fulfill our calling in whatever that may be, to establish something that will last because God is working in and through you. This is what we are asking of God when we pray that God would establish the work of our 
hands. God wants our work to be productive and fruitful for Him. And whatever vocation or work God has given to you, ask the Lord to bless the work of your hand. We are invited to pray and ask God not to overlook and disregard our short life, but to intervene and to empower us to make our work enduring and lasting. We don't want to waste our lives in meaningless endeavors that are like vapor. But we desire for God's favor to be upon us and to bless the work that we do for God so that it counts for His kingdom. And apart from God's grace and mercy and His work in our lives, our brief life is filled with toil and trouble. And tragically, it ends in death under God's wrath. But God intervenes and He offers us salvation, redemption, and blessing through His work shown to us, His servants, as we see in verse 16. It says, let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. The Lord's work of salvation was most clearly demonstrated when God sent his son Jesus to enter into a world of limitations and to suffer the wrath we deserve for our sins. Jesus paid the death penalty for our sins and by faith, we then receive the benefits of Jesus' perfect and righteous life in exchange for our sinful and godless life which Jesus was crucified for. We no longer have to live awaiting judgment and death, but we are now empowered to make the most of the time that God has given to us to spend our days to glorify God in all that we do. So we can seize the day and live for God. Through the work of Jesus, we have access to God's presence where there is fullness of joy and life and pleasures of living with God forevermore. And he invites us into that joy, into that relationship with Christ today. We can abide in Christ through his word and in the power of the Holy Spirit and because Jesus redeemed our lives by his perfect work on the cross, now our work finds new meaning in fruitful labor as our worship to God and a redeemed way, a new way to serve and to love our neighbors by his strength and for his glory. Amen? Let us pray. God, we thank you that you are a God who entered into this world limiting yourself so that you can redeem us, so that we can live each day as a gift from you. We pray, Lord, that our days, our minutes, our hours, our days, our weeks will be filled and empowered by your Spirit Would you establish the work of our hands to participate in, work, in works that honor you, that serve our neighbors, that show off the goodness and love of God? Lord, give us 
the heart of wisdom so that we do not waste our, the precious moments that you've given to us. Help us to make the most of every opportunity you've given to us, Lord. We ask that you would do this by the power of your Holy Spirit and in the, the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.